I really got nothing to lose, you know. If Jesus is real, he'll forgive my sin, he'll change my life. If not, then I'll just keep on doing what I've been doing. And uh, kind of the rest of history. <laughs> Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. You found us here once again on Testimony Tuesday, and uh, we are excited once again to be joined by another pastor. Uh, and today, uh, uh, unusual, but uh, very welcome. We're glad to have uh, a pastor and also his wife along for the testimony. So this is going to be great. We have Pastor Dan and Melissa Kanaj from Corpus Christi, Texas. Thanks for joining us, guys, and welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, being willing to join us and s setting some time aside. I know it's a it's a busy schedule for for all of us pastors, but uh, we appreciate you making the time. So, um, well, what we want to do first of all is to to hear the the conference style uh, three to five minute report of what God is doing there in Corpus Christi, and uh, introduce yourself to those who may not know you. Sure. Yeah, my name is uh, Dan Kanaj, and uh, my wife Melissa and I we pastor the church here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Been here going um, on six and a half years, and God's helping us. Um, we're seeing uh, a lot of good things happening this year. Uh, God bringing in uh, people. Uh, it seems like uh, just about every service we have visitors. Uh, altars always uh, full. Um, we're seeing uh, God really move, uh, especially in our young people. Uh, we've been having some young teenagers get involved in our uh, worship and song service. Our actual song service leader is a teenager, uh, and uh, you know they're excited. They go street preaching and they're involved in outreach. Um, so that's very exciting. Uh, uh, you know, God's shaping disciples. He's building disciples, and and uh, we're seeing just God touch and just change lives. Radically, we've had some events this year uh, in our area that um, are really excited about. Uh, here, this part of Texas, we call it the Coastal Bend. Uh, Corpus Christi is uh, right along the Gulf Coast. Uh, and um, being that Texas is so large, you can literally break it up probably into probably eight different sizable pieces. But our little piece here uh, includes... Uh, right now, uh, seven churches in the area. Uh, these churches are not directly sent out by our church. However, we're all working together uh, in our area. Uh, that includes our church, Corpus Christi, Victoria, Port Lavaca, Kingsville. Uh, we have a baby church in Portland, Texas. 
not Portland, Oregon, but Portland, Texas. As soon as you say Portland, people think, of, oh my gosh. But um, but um, that's that's our baby church, and there's a church in Sinton as well, Sinton, Texas. Uh, and all these uh, cities are within about uh, like an hour to an hour and a half away from us. And and uh, we had a um, we had a, a, a faith rally. And this is just like a, a miniature version style of uh, of a harvesters. Uh, the faith rally will bring in um, one of the leadership uh, uh, preachers, and and we'll rally our churches together. And uh, you know we're trying to uh, impart vision into our churches and to our people that we want to take uh, other cities here in the coastal bend, raise up uh, disciples, uh, uh, invariably raising up pastors, and and uh, you know uh, taking our area of Texas and. And uh, watching uh, God just just multiply and and grow churches and and uh, you know the gospel throughout the whole world, uh, but first obviously it starts in our backyard right here in the coastal bend. So uh, back in April we had our rally and uh, we had very good attendances and um, uh, we had um, just an exciting time. And uh, with that overflow uh, coming into the summertime, uh, now we're we're getting really busy in our outreaches and. Revivals. Uh, our church here is getting ready to take a missionary trip uh, to um, Bluefields, Nicaragua. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, Jason Garcia, him and his wife went over there this past year. They're pioneering, and um, our church was very excited to want to do something to help one of these churches. You know, we definitely have a vision for world evangelism. And um, so we're taking a, a pretty good group with us. I think anywhere between 10, is it 10, 10 to 12 people? We're taking 12 people with us. And I'll be preaching a, a revival for him and just helping him and his wife and his family uh, get some ministry going and and believing God. So uh, uh, it's been a very busy year so far. And, and uh, you know, God's, God's given us a thrust. And uh, it's very exciting uh, uh, times uh, in our church. So... Um... Uh, Melissa, why don't, why don't you uh, also share with the audience a little bit about you and uh, and your experience there in Texas? Um, I'm, I'm from uh, the Lubbock, Texas area. I moved to Corpus, moved back and forth, and ended up in Corpus. So I've been in Corpus, those, like I guess, in second grade, uh, on and off. California, Texas. Oh, so this is hometown for you, yeah. sort of. Sort of, sort of. We actually got saved here in Corpus under Pastor Willis Gordon. And then when uh, we went as missionaries, we went under Pastor Ruby, and then we took over our mother church. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. Very cool. So, um, so let's let's go back to the beginning, and uh, I would love to hear a little bit about both of your backgrounds, uh, how you grew up, and how and where, and what life was like for the young versions of Dan and Melissa. Okay. Well, my husband's uh, getting some ice right now. <laughs> um, I got. Um, you want to know our backgrounds, how we got together or how we got saved? Or No, I'd like to go back a little bit further. What was your family life for you like growing up? Okay. For me, my parents were heroin addicts. So I grew up a very fast, crazy life. Um, so the reason we moved to, you know, Corpus back and forth in California was because of my parents. My mom was um, 15 years old when she had me, 14 when she got married. So uh, 19 years old. 20 years old, she moved to California and uh, my sister and I went with her. So we would move back and forth because of the lifestyle that my parents had, you know, so they were heavy into drugs. But when we moved to California, they actually got um, his family is um, they're apostolic. So he was like the black sheep of the family. So um, 
that's where I got introduced to, you know, hearing about God, learning about God, but um, they didn't believe in getting saved because they were apostolic. But I didn't know all of that. I just knew, you know, that when we were in church, my family was okay. When we were out of church, my family was crazy. Wow. Okay. So growing up in a house like that, that sounds like a lot of chaos. Um, do, do you remember um, having uh, someone that, that brought peace into your life? Like, was there a grandmother or grandparents or anybody like that? Um peace in my life and I would what brought peace in my life when I was a kid growing up was reading I was addicted to reading so that's what I would really get into my my whole family on my mom's side is um their drugs and alcohol and you know um all kinds of you know sexual She's not exaggerating she really was addicted to reading <laughs> yeah. when I met her we weren't even uh you know we weren't Christians yet or anything like that but when I went into her house she had an accumulation of about two inches of books on the floor. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's serious. I guess there's there's worse things that you could be addicted to. That's exactly. Hey, that's a, <laughs> but it's why she's very, very extremely intelligent. I don't know about that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Dan, what about you? What was what was your family background like? Uh, okay. So I'm the youngest out of six children. Uh, okay. Yeah. My mom. I, I know about people like you. Yeah. <laughs> So my, my dad was a merchant marine, and my mom uh, worked in a bar. And the, this was in Galveston, Texas, and and uh, they met. And um, my mom already had some children at the time. So, uh, you know, being uh, in that kind of family, uh, there was my parents worked a lot, and they moved around. And um, right about when I was like eight years old, that's when a little bit of trauma began to happen in my, in my younger years. My mom and dad separated, and uh, we were living in a, a little. Well, now it's a bigger city, but it, it's called. Name of the city is Conroe, Texas. It's north of Houston, and a lot of bad things happened there when I was young. Uh, my parents separated, and uh, we also got into a car accident. Me and my brothers. Uh, one of my brothers went through the windshield, became paralyzed. Uh, I flew out of the window and and uh, had a bunch of internal bleeding. Uh, I remember waking up in the ditch and my, my oldest brother who was driving is crying. He's in tears. He thinks he killed us. And I remember waking up in a helicopter and I remember well, waking up in the hospital, knowing something really bad had happened to my other brother. And um, when we finally came home from the hospital, uh, I discovered my my um, <clears throat> my brother that went to the windshield became paralyzed. And uh, we had to, like, you know, train him all over again, how to talk, how to eat bathe him. And at the same time, my father left. So my mother sunk into depression. Uh, she already was an alcoholic, but she got deeper in her alcoholism and got very depressed. It was very hard for her to function. Uh, also, right about that time, I got a stepfather that used to abuse my mother. And then my older brothers uh, kind of ran away from me. They ran away from home and began to do drugs and began to you know, live risky lives. And and uh, th that was between eight years old and about 11 or 12 years old. And then um, my my brothers kind of like begin to work. They begin to work uh, and they got a job in Washington, D.C. And my mom wanting to kind of just leave that whole city and that whole situation uh, moved over there. And I went from this small little redneck town to a big city in Washington, D.C. And then I lived my adolescent years from like 12 years old all the way till I was about 20 years old. I graduated high school and uh, I took some schooling while I was there in college for a little bit. Uh, but those years were, were years of uh, 
of a lot of anger and a lot of partying and a lot of casting off restraint. You know, I, I had no Christian background, uh, and, and no thoughts of God, no thoughts of um, eternity. I was just living for pleasure. Uh, I was just, um, you know, I was very angry with my father and trying to suppress uh, a lot of those issues in my life. I remember he died when I was 16. He died of cancer and I remember being on the phone with him and uh, not even um, wanting to talk to him, really, not even to communicate with him. Uh, he was reaching out to me to talk with him, but I spoke with him for a few moments. But I remember just being hardened in my heart and kind of just getting a sense, well, you know, now he wants my attention. But, you know, where was he when I needed him? And I didn't voice those things, but those feelings were definitely there, those resentful feelings. <clears throat> so um, I just began to just party my life away. I mean, I was functional, still went to school, graduated, uh, you know, uh, and I kind of had this uh, upbringing where everyone had to work. That was something my mom definitely instilled. And so, you know, the kids, we all had to work. By the time I was 13, 12 years old, I was already working part-time jobs. And by the time I was 14, I was contributing on the rent. Uh, you know, I had my driver's license at 15 and uh, I was very independent already. Uh, my mom didn't really want to stay living there anymore, so she moved back to Texas, and I stayed there and lived with a brother of mine. And uh, right about 19, 20 years old, I started getting burned out. I started getting involved in some kind of drugs and the heavy drinking. And uh, looking back now, I, I was in a, some type of depression because I was always in these party atmospheres, but felt incredibly lonely, just next level lonely. You know, when you're in the middle of that, sometimes you don't realize it. And uh, I remember um, my brother that uh that uh was was involved in the car accident that was driving moved to corpus christi and i remember visiting him and uh, the whole lifestyle of corpus was so different than washington dc washington dc is a big city well you're very close to dc you know it never sleeps uh it's fast it's the rat race you know interstate uh, 95 and uh capital beltway you know you jump on that uh, beltway 90 miles an hour you know and it's like you're just up there this weekend yeah I, I don't care to go back yeah it never stops you know and uh so coming to corpus it's very laid back here uh kind of you know they're like once again i had no thoughts of god or anything like that uh but i definitely was looking for change uh but i found myself just slipping right back and the same lifestyle but in a different city in a, in a different pace uh, and then I ended up beating Melissa and uh, we got involved and and then. Uh, we... Well, I'd love to hear the, the longer version of that story. Okay. But uh, could you locate us in time? What, like what year did you both graduate? And I graduated in 1993. And I didn't graduate. I got my GED because uh, the way my family was, I always said, I'm not going to be like my family. I'm going to be different. But I wasn't, you know, I ended up. I was going to bars, you know, like 12 years old and um, just I wasn't drinking or doing anything like that, but I was already in that lifestyle. So by the time I was 15, I did start drinking and doing drugs. By 16, I was pregnant. 17, I was married. Then um, divorced, maybe like 20 or so. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, between the two of you, you already have the craziest story I've heard so far. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, this is why uh, we only do one person at a time. Most of the <laughs> I can only handle one crazy story, but my goodness, amazing, amazing that, uh, that you are all smiling and sitting in front of me now having a testimony and yep. being pastors of a church, really, you know, really and we're going to fill in all the details, but 
I'm already giving God praise that uh, that what lifestyle changes that God had to bring you through to get to where you are now. It's incredible. God is good. That's a miracle worker for sure. Uh, Jesus Christ so, radically changed us. So you guys uh, met up before uh, before you uh, were saved. Is that correct? Yes, we came into the church. Okay, already married. You know. Well, let's hear the story of how you how you came together. Yeah, you want you want me to tell her, or you want her to tell it? Well, somebody needs to be the fact checker. <laughs> I'll let her be the fact checker. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, she's good at that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to hear the story of how you met each other. How we met. This each is other. an important okay. one to remember. Okay. Yes. Uh, so I was working for a car dealership uh, here in Corpus, and she was working at one as well. We're working at two different dealerships. Uh, she was working at the one where my two car salesmen. Uh, well, she wasn't a salesman, but she worked in that arena. But I became a salesman later. Yeah, yeah. But it was definitely okay, well, in that. <laughs> this is this is also very unusual. You guys have to know this. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So I'm going. I'm going to where she works to visit my brother, and I see her there on the phone talking and. Immediately, I was like, oh, she's, you know, very pretty, you know, uh, I need to collect her. You know, that was kind of like my thought, you know, <laughs> I was I'm just being very straightforward with you. Uh, that was my thought. And uh, so, uh, you know, I didn't even think if she was even involved with anybody or anything like that. I didn't even care to, to think about those things. Uh, but immediately, I just began to talk with her, begin to, you know, introduce myself. And, and uh, she, you know, she didn't show any interest in me at all. Uh, but I still, you know, uh, said, hey, let's, you know, let's go have lunch. Let's go to Chili's, yada, yada, yada. And uh, the, there was a little, a little pursuit there. And, a and long I, pursuit. Yeah, a long <laughs> pursuit. You know, I sent flowers. I did all, you know, all the things that, that, that a good boy should do. <laughs> wow. So, Melissa, from your perspective, do you, what do you remember about him coming on to you like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, we were there, the car dealership. He came in and he started inviting me on a date but you see the way where i came from it was i had just separated from my first husband five months before not even five months before like three months before that you know it was like in may so this i met him in august so maybe you know not that much longer after and i wasn't even divorced i was just separated but you know in the way i thought at that time my thinking was like well i'm divorced but i, I wasn't now in the world is in the world is a different thinking you know <laughs> we're not together and that's what it was but it wasn't so um he started pursuing me but i never really dated <laughs> you know i went straight into marriage you know when i was uh 16 years old well 15 you know um 16 you know got pregnant and 17 was married but i was like at that time, you know, it was like, okay, my family was like, if you're uh, with someone, you got pregnant, move, you know, so it was like, I just had to move out. And that's why, you know, I ended up getting married so young. But that marriage was a total horrible marriage. You know, it was physical, we would fist fight and all kinds of things. And so then Dan comes in the picture and my ex-husband, uh, he, I would have to like try to force him to work. It's just very, you know, bad um, character. So uh, Dan comes in the picture and, you know, uh, a few months later, and he's this nice guy. He works. To me, I always say um, that we were, you know, I was a mean person going to hell and he was a nice person going to hell. <laughs> later on, <laughs> once we got saved, because he, because I was, a, by that time I was already bitter and, you know, I was young, but I was so bitter and so angry. <laughs> but uh, so 
uh, so it took a while. It took a little while because I was like, uh, I was so dysfunctional. I just didn't understand like the dating and you know, the whole thing, it was like, what? So eventually we went on a date. Eventually, you know, we just got together and, and both of us grew up really fast. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so everything was on a fast track. Fast. What, what, what would you say was, uh, attractive about one another that drew you together? Well, for me, it was for looks. <laughs> for, me, uh, for me, it would be the. You can't say the same for me. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, he was nice. He was. He was. He was, he was, nice. he, he was kind. He was. That's then. That's the nice right there. No. That can be really mean. <laughs> yeah, he can be mean, but but he was. He was a uh, just different. Just a different guy. Just because, like, what he said, how he grew up in his family with working and you know a responsible person and people in my family at that time now there's some responsible people in my family so some security some security maybe in my family there wasn't at that time like that and at that time there was like uh, several uh because i was young you know i was young i had several guys pursuing me at that time but dan was the most persistent <laughs> yeah i wasn't going to be denied <laughs> wow. God you had a <laughs> you had a mountain to climb <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. wow uh, uh, yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, so how long was it before uh, you decided to get married? Yeah, I would say uh, we were probably uh, dating for about a year and a half, maybe. Mm. Was it a year and a half? No. Here's the fact check. <laughs> we, uh, was it one uh, year? It was very soon because um, we we uh, I had two daughters. I had two daughters already. So, um, yeah, I had two daughters, and he was. That was another thing, too. He was like, I don't care if you have children. I like you. You know, he wanted to pursue a relationship. So we actually ended up moving in really quickly. Yeah, we started checking up. Yeah, we moved in together pretty quickly. And then one day he just asked me to get married, but I was already pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely was uh, some, you know, some things in our relationship that were that were very, very, uh, you know, traumatic in the sense that uh, she got pregnant. And uh, yeah, the, for, for the first time with 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 me, and immediately uh, without even thinking about it, I wanted to pay for an abortion, and I did. Uh, you know, is that right? Yeah, without without hesitation, and uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't I didn't feel guilty about it till a little later. Uh, so I would even say that that's probably one of the things that made me aware of my sinfulness later on a little more, because for up to this point, uh, my sinning and my sinful ways. Uh, I didn't have, I was like, I didn't have a conscience about what I did, who I did it with, who I did it to. Uh, I didn't have much of a conscience at all. But uh, when I did that, I knew I did something wrong. I just wasn't really sure what I did wrong. You know, I always, wow. I always find that to be an interesting place. And it's very sad that it had to happen like that. Uh, but uh, right now, shortly after that, I, I felt like, you know, um, I need to somehow fix this. And I loved her, but at the same time, I thought I could fix uh, these terrible choices by marrying her. Hmm. Wow. So, um, the, the, I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering about is, um, where did that sense of conscience come in? Did, did, do, do you have any kind of like a church background or you re, remember, remember any Sunday schools or things like that? No, my only church background is when I was a little boy, my mom did send us to the Baptist church off and on, uh, a few times. Uh, I remember a guy named Brother John uh, from the Baptist Church who picked us up in a station wagon. Uh, this probably went on for a few months. 
And uh, I, rem- I don't remember what the sermons were about. I don't remember what they taught about. I remember he cried a lot, though. I remember he did a lot of crying. And then it was like church was over. And he was happy again. And I just I remember thinking, this is very strange. You know, why would someone just cry a lot? I just didn't get it. And but, you know, uh, you know, they kind of probably a big softy, I, I, I guess, you know, and uh, they kind of just disappeared from our lives. And then as a teenager, uh, my brother got married with someone from Dominican Republic and they were deeply Catholic. And uh, they would invite me to the Catholic church and I would go with them, uh, but I never claimed to be a Catholic or converted to Catholicism. I knew a lot of bad things that were kind of going on uh, in the Catholic church with some of these family members. So it was like, uh, yeah, you know, I'll go hang out so we can do our, our dirty things, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be interested in, you know, Catholicism. I didn't, it didn't make any sense to me at all. Catholicism. I mean, it was really, it was kind of creepy too. But um, so, you know, that was pretty much my only religious experiences. I did not understand the gospel. I knew Jesus uh, died and lived. I knew uh, he, he went on a cross, but it was not real to me. And uh, and that's about as far as it went. And for myself, it would be um, it was, I, I did have that background, but not I was an atheist because um, when I was a little kid, um, I always had the question, uh, who made God? And they didn't answer me. I was like five, six years old. And so since they didn't take me serious, they didn't answer me. I was like, well, I'm an atheist. I just, as soon as I could understand, I was like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I didn't believe in God. Um, but when we, remember I told you that my family would go in and out of church. It was, I think, until like fourth grade or something. But uh, when they would go they would sing these Christian songs and some of them we sing in our church now. And I remembered those songs. Um, we've got the Holy ghost down in our heart. Um, what was some of the other, you know, like j- just like the Bible says, you know, like, yeah, down. So, you know, j- you know, just little, little things like that. There was a song that uh, a girl did for special music and I don't know how I remembered it, but it was, um, it talked about, um, just the other day, I heard a man say, I didn't believe in God's word, but I can truly say I trust him every day. That's why I believe in God. So it's crazy because that stayed in my mind. So I know that was God pursuing me since I was a kid <laughs> because the, those it was a special music. You don't hear it all the time. But those words stayed in my head, even though I was said I was an atheist. Then as I got older, I said I'm agnostic. And I, w- um, you know, I was a salesperson. So ever since I was 16 years old, I started working with telephone sales. I did telemarketing. I did fundraising, you know, but so I wasn't a quiet person. You know, I would be like, God's not real because of this and this and that. Then when, um, when I had my baby, the first time it was like, okay, there has to be something higher, but I don't believe the Bible. So I became agnostic. So I believed in a higher power, but I didn't believe. And I studied a numerology. I studied all kinds of, because I like to read. So anything I wanted to learn about, I would just go to library, get books and just read, 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 have stacks of books, even after I dropped out of school and got my GED. And um, so that's like, to me, it was almost... It, it didn't kind of match being atheist and then having this superstitious, you know, um, you know, thing. But and then at the same time, I had that the, those Christian songs and they never left me. So um, that was my, you know, background. And then with my grandfather, he actually was my grandfather was also in and out of prison. Uh, my dad's side and my mom's side, my dad's side, my they were the 
they ran heroin, you know, in La Misa, Lubbock area. And um, my grandfather and my mom sold for them. And so uh, my grandfather ended up going to prison a few times. And at one point he got saved. He And he was, you know, he molested a bunch of his children. But when he got saved in prison one day, he came out and he became a pastor. So I knew that part. You know? Wow. Yeah. And they actually dedicated me, my grandma said, and the Fort Square Church. When I was a little baby. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I didn't know about that, you know, until later on, she said, oh, we dedicated you in a four square church when you were a baby. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So and my grandfather, uh, but he backslid, you know, when we were here in Corpus, uh, he had a church here on uh, the you know bad side of town um, where we grew up. And um, it was a little church, but he ended up backsliding, going back into, you know, sexual sin. Him and my grandmother uh, got divorced. And so then that's how I always would think of religion or think of church was, you know, bad, <laughs> you know, hypocrisy. hypocrisy, because my mother, when she, even when they were doing well, there was hypocrisy involved, you know, like uh, with my mom and dad, because they would go back to drugs or they would cheat on each other or they would beat each other. And then with my grandfather, he would beat my grandma and then he cheated on her, then he backslid. And so I, I just had that in my mind, like Christianity's Bad, you know, and dumb and uh, I had a lot of pride, so I'll be like, dumb people are the ones that are Christians, you know. So, wow. So there's there's a lot there. Um, and what I what I I think what the the audience might find helpful to just reflect on for a second is, you never know what kind of baggage people are carrying around with them, and you guys are incredible <laughs> examples of that. Like if if I was what to walk up to you and hand a flyer to you, and you know and say Jesus loves you or whatever. And, and, you know, I get a mean mug back and like that lady's mean, but uh, you know, you don't realize yeah. what has happened to bring people to those points. And so I, I imagine that that leads you to be able to empathize with people quite a bit. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. Because I, I, when I got saved, it was like, even though I had a little bit of these uh, ideas and thoughts, I really didn't know Jesus and I didn't know Christianity. I didn't really know it. So I remember going to the altar and just always, I, I, before I got saved, I never cried. Once I got saved, I was always at the altar crying, not because I was fake interacting, but I just had so much sorrow, <laughs> you know, that I would just, and so now I always think back, like, I didn't even understand what the altar was for. Like, literally, I remember my pastor's wife having to explain it to me. You don't have to raise your hand every time, you know, yeah. you're not backsliding every, every service, you know, and uh, explaining to me what this is the altar. I remember coming to the altar and after I got saved and just being like, okay, what do I do now? Why am I at here? You know, not understanding, you know. And so now when I see people, I can empathize and I can explain to them, you know, what it is, you know, <laughs> what the altar's for. Yeah. You know, uh, what does it say in Isaiah 46? I think it's 46 that uh, he's called us out of the fire of much affliction, you know, and uh, it's kind of like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to, to ask one more question about the issue of abortion, because it's such a uh, difficult topic to deal with. And yeah. in churches, a lot of people don't know how to handle that. Um, I'm sure that you guys have had to process that, uh, you know, through your salvation and, and um, how to experience God's healing. I, I just wonder if you would, because I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be people who hear this who either are dealing with that themselves uh, yeah. or, you know, a past is a uh, you know, that sin in, in their past or even trying to minister to people who are contemplating or trying to move through that. I, I just wonder what what are your thoughts on uh, what would you say to the, to somebody who's trying to deal with that? Yeah, first of all, um, you know, guilt and condemnation is a very powerful emotion. 
And uh, the blood of Jesus, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about how the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse our conscience from dead works so we can serve the living God. And, um, you know, uh, when you've crossed certain lines like that in your life, uh, there's a lot of just a lot of guilt that's carried with it. Um, remember in the Old Testament, they would actually use a, a scapegoat. Uh, God actually, uh, you know, there's some things, you know, we can pray and we can give offerings in the Old Testament that they would do. But uh, and when I read it, I kind of think of it as this. It was such a deep um, emotional thing that people carry in guilt that God had to give them a living illustration that they could see that goat. They can lay their hands on it, transfer their sins, and then they can see that goat leave. Something in people has to see like, okay, something has to leave, you know, and of course it was a bad omen if that goat came back, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, I, I kind of think of that and, and think about what Jesus did for me and my wife, that he's that scapegoat, you know, he's that, he takes our guilt, he has blood, cleanses our minds, our hearts, our souls uh, from our past. Uh, this is something before our salvation. We know we did something wrong. I know I did something wrong. I was the one who initiated it. Uh, but um, this wasn't really, I mean, it's pretty plain and obvious that you're involved in, in a murder, you know. Uh, but the blood of Jesus is so powerful and is able to cleanse your mind and your conscience. And uh, that's something Jesus has done for me and for any person that has, has crossed those lines and maybe feel a sense of guilt, condemnation, and and uh, it can lead to even a sense of self-hate uh, for these kind of things, a loathing of yourself. But the blood of Jesus has been such a powerful uh, dimension in my own personal life, uh, and not just knowing it, but just experiencing God's love and God's help, knowing that his blood was shed for that very purpose, not just to cleanse, but to actually reach down deep in my conscience beyond just the, the mental state, but in your, in your soul and make you a new creation. Thank God. Yeah, I often think about um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he wasn't always the, you know, the uh, epistle writing uh, church leader. Yeah. Uh, he was a persecutor of the church and led even women and children off to prison. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I, I'm absolutely positive that in the deepest, darkest parts of his heart, that he probably, you know, dealt with the same same feelings of like, oh man, I, I can't believe I was in the state of mind to do that and to enjoy do that, doing that, right? Yeah. And so, and, and that also, you know, reminds us that those who have been forgiven much also love much. Yes. And the, re the reason why you guys can, you know, serve God to the capacity that you are is because you came out from that kind of a lifestyle. You know, you know personally what Jesus can can do in a person's life, right? Yes, right. yes, I agree. And I would say um, a lot of uh, people, like you said, that they maybe they've done it or they're thinking of, you know, uh, or they're ministering to people that are thinking of doing it. When I was going to do it or I was thinking of doing it, uh, I... They, I remember the doctor telling me with my second daughter, because I had two kids previous, that he would never let his wife have another child. I was under, you know, age, under 21, so I couldn't sign the papers to, you know, to not have children anymore. Uh, but because of the way that I, that I went through that labor and everything that happened, I almost died. My daughter almost died. And so he was telling me I should never. So it was like fear that if I have another child, 
I'm not going to live or the baby's not going to live. I just remember it was so traumatic. And um, when I was thinking of doing this, when we had discussed it, uh, we didn't just do it immediately. I went and I asked people and I asked people, um, I think like three people that already had abortions. So it was like, it's kind of like it can make you feel like this is okay. And I feel like that's what the world does right now. It's like anything that is wrong, they justify it and they try to make you feel like it's going to be okay. But then after you do it, they're not there, you know, after you've done what you've done. And I remember one person did tell me, you know, don't do it. Uh, uh, but other than that, everybody was like, you have to think of yourself. Cause even when my first baby, um, one of my aunts, she wanted to pay for me to have an abortion, but my ex-husband was like, no, 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 you know, there's no way. And so that's when I was 16 and I, it was, so it was already like a seed planet, but I didn't do it. I was scared. And then with Dan, it was like, well, he was all for it. So it was like, now I had everybody to make me feel that it's okay. But then when you're there afterwards, I felt like this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. You know, like just this, uh, a, like you said, a guilt and a, a, a condemnation, but it's too late now. But then you have, you know, thank God we got saved. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're living now in the time of uh, not only uh, should abortion be uh, legal, but we're living in the time of shout your abortion and be mm -hmm. proud that you, and I wish I could get an abortion kind of mentality. And, uh, you know, that that crosses over in my mind to like the demonic realm. But, you know, it's like uh, but but you guys, your experience is so, so powerful because you can speak directly to people who are, you know, in that situation. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe somebody who's hearing this. So that's really powerful. But uh, we're, we're, before we run out of time, I, I want to hear about the story. How does it lead to uh, salvation? Is this connected to uh, your introduction to the gospel? For sure, um, because. Shortly after we got married, um, uh, you see, Melissa has family here in Corpus. She has her cousin, her sister, she had her grandmother, her mom, and um, she had a cousin named Cindy uh, that was always hanging out with us. We're like a little group of young people that we would, you know, drink together, hang out together, club together. Yeah. Uh, it was Melissa, Cindy, Veronica, Frank, uh, Loopy, John. It was like a little group of us <clears throat> that we would, you know, we're in the same age arenas, you know, in our twenties and things like that. And we were partiers. And, um, one day Cindy, who actually was, uh, we kind of looked down on her. I don't know if you remember, uh, if you ever had like people in your life that you're like, well, I'm bad, but we're not as bad as that person. You know, she was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that, you know, like a self-righteous thing, you know, even, even as sinners. <laughs> and, uh, one day she comes to our house she starts talking about Jesus, and she doesn't stop talking about Jesus. And, um, like, it took me a little while to realize. Like, at first, I thought she was just jabbering. You know, when you think people are just jabbering on about something. Uh, but she just wouldn't stop. She wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. Day after day, this went on for a few days. It felt like forever, but. Well, she got but, saved in March, and we got saved in May. She would, you know, and, uh, and, and she told us she stopped smoking out, which was like, what? And she would always be stoned. Uh, you know, she told us that uh, God forgave her of her sins. She's going to this church called The Door. 
Uh, oh man. Yeah. So, so she had a radical salvation yes. experience. Yes. She was very pushy with us. She began to kind of just push on us. And, uh, and I think, uh, what kind of pushed me over the edge is she goes, Hey, you need to come and listen to my pastor. He's funny. <laughs> says, you know, says he's a funny black guy. And I was like, Oh, great. I definitely would like to hear that. You know, <laughs> so to me, that was like, Oh, well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go listen, you know? Uh, so, you know, she kind of pushed us to come, but on our way okay, there. Well, we should, we should pause right there just to remind preachers the importance of humor in your messages. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So I know not everybody has the same level of funny, but we, yeah, that's something good to strive for. You got saved because somebody thought your pastor was hilarious. Yeah. I thought that was a great point. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, we ended up going, actually we drifted and ended up going to another church that wasn't the door church, but uh, Melissa got touched at that church, but uh, I felt very awkward. Uh, People were crying everywhere. Uh, and I felt like, I don't know, uh, I felt like it was just too emotional. I didn't, it was uncomfortable for me. I was all crying. <laughs> Other people were crying too. <laughs> yeah, well, because so, see, it's like, it's kind of uh, like, I feel I've seen this in other people. It's like when somebody tells you about God, okay, hey, you know, there I'm going to this church. I gave my life to Jesus. And then somebody always comes in and tries to, to divert you, you know, and that's kind of what happened because um, my cousin Cindy got radically saved. And then, um, so my sister um, said, oh, well, I tried this other church because she had been trying other churches. And we ended up over there? Yeah, because my sister had been trying other churches. And um, so she went to this other church that's here in town, a big church. And um, so they actually did an altar call and the pastor that was preaching was preaching about anger and depression. And that was a word that I needed. Like I was, like I told you, I was hard. I was a, a, a angry, hard, bitter person. And um, so we already had been married. Um, we got married March of 97 and we got saved May of 98. So it was just like a year and two months. And I already at, that point I was already ready for a divorce. I was like, I, we've been married for, you know, X amount of time. We had, um, I was very angry, bitter. I was like, I'm done with our marriage. I want to just go back into the, the party scene, you know, she did end up getting pregnant again and having the baby. Yes. I did end up getting pregnant again and having a baby. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, I, I, um, I, 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 it felt like for me, because of all the reading I did, I used to read anything, but my favorite thing to read was love stories, okay? Because I wanted a happy ending. I didn't want the sad ending. So the people that liked like uh, soap operas, I hated soap operas because it was all bad. I already have a bad life, you know? <laughs> so I wanted to read romances. With yeah, happy- you're living the soap opera. Yeah, I'm living the soap opera. So I wanted happy endings. So with um, with Dan, he he like met all those requirements of the love stories because he pursued me. He was kind. He was, you know, he was a hard worker. He did everything like in a book, but when it makes it feel good. Yeah. (laughs) But when we, when you actually live together, you know, marriage isn't a book, you know, it's real life. And so um, I think a lot of young girls or a lot of people, they get caught in a trap of just the excitement of, of a chase and a romance, but that's not real life. You know, real life, you live, you know, you live day to day. And so it was within a year and two months, you know, being, or a year of being married. And I was like, I want a divorce. I'm done. Um, I'm going to move on because you have to remember I was a quitter. 
So all my life, you know, uh, I quit high school. I quit my first marriage and I was, I would blame people. I blame my mother, blame my first husband, you know, just like my life is miserable because of this. My life is miserable because that, but when it got to our marriage, who could I blame? I couldn't blame him because he was faithful. He worked. Uh, we actually, at that point for us, we were doing okay because we already had bought a house, bought a car. We were young. Um, I'm a year, uh, a year and a half older than him. So, uh, when we got saved, I was 24, he was 23. And so we already were homeowners. We already owned, you know, like for where we came from, we were doing okay, but I was miserable. It was at that point, I wouldn't, I didn't say I got saved out of the party scene. I got saved out of, uh, I should have been happy, but I wasn't, I was miserable. I would like, why isn't the things in the book making me happy? What could I be missing? You know? So and even before my cousin got saved, so it was like, you know, God is the one that draws us and he's the one that pursues us. It's not us that looks for him because I remember uh, reading a book. It was Zig Ziglar and he Zig Ziglar uh, was a Christian and he was classic. Yeah, yeah. He made money and he, he so I went and he talked about God. So that kind of like it, I didn't get saved from the book, but it opened my eyes to, hey, maybe Christianity is real or maybe you don't have to be dumb to be a Christian or there's other kinds of Christians besides what I saw, you know what I mean? And so then uh, I remember for, I used to be the kind of person that would tell people, I haven't been in church in this long. I haven't, you know, been in church in this many years or that many years. And, um, so we made a, a, a you remember we said, we're good. We would send our kids to, oh, um, to a, to a Spanish speaking church. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> before we even, before we got saved, we got just, just out of just, because supposedly I, trying to be good parents. Well, because I, I I would sing to them those Christian songs. I was an a, an agnostic, you know, atheist, whatever, not believing in Jesus, but I would sing to my children the Christian songs, and so they wanted to know about that. That was a very short-lived thing, though. Yeah. So we sent them, and then we made a New Year's resolution, and yeah. January, right after January first of nineteen ninety-eight, we went to a church. They didn't preach. Another like, Spanish-speaking church. Yeah, but they, it was like Spanish. Like, we don't. English. I don't speak Spanish. I don't understand Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? Yeah. So, but they. That's how much that I was in God. You know? <laughs> so, um, so we went to that church, and they were they preached, but we I don't understand what they preached about. But I remember looking at that stage, and there was a um, the the pastor's son, and the pastor's and a, and a pastor's daughter from another church. They had just got married, and they just looked so happy, and everything was just so different in that world compared to my world. And I would just remember looking and thinking, like, my family would really freak out if I became one of these kind of people. But that was January. We didn't go back to church again until May, and uh, my cousin got saved, like saved, saved in so, the so, door in March. Yeah, let me pick it up from there because, like, Cindy. Even if we went to that solid rock church, she was adamant. Come to our, come here, my pastor. Yeah, the next weekend we went. So then we went to the door, and there was like no one there. <laughs> it was this little small building. Um, tiny. tiny. I mean, real small, like maybe like 900 square feet or something like that. And, uh, you know, uh, Willis Gordon was the pastor. Do you know who Willis Gordon is? He was the pastor. I, I, I know of him. I don't know him okay. very well. Well, he wasn't telling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he was preaching. I never heard anyone preach. I think that was part of the issue. I heard preaching. I was confronted with myself. I was confronted with who I am and where I'm going and who God is. Uh, and it got very real in that little building with nobody there. Uh, you know. Praise God. And I remember thinking. Wow. And I, you give a few services. Oh, yeah. Me? But I remember thinking that this guy. 
uh, is speaking like he has nothing to lose and I'm the one losing out, you know? And uh, I mean, he's not definitely trying to butter me up. He's definitely not trying to <laughs> get into my pockets or nothing like that. Not like if I had a bunch of money anyway, but uh, he's telling me some things that there's no reason why he would be motivated to do this unless this is has to, something more has to be behind this. So to begin to intrigue me, you know, with his preaching, uh, he would uh, offer, okay, uh, you want to get saved, lift up your hand. I didn't know what saved was. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't going to lift my hand up. I definitely, you know, no one's there but me and my wife and a few other Cindy's there, you know. So I'm like, There's a small oh, yeah. There's a, there's it's, a, it's, it's a pioneer be... work, you know. And I don't how, know. How long had they been there? Do you know? Uh, maybe like two or three years. The, the church had been there um, four years and Pastor uh-huh. Gordon had been there two years. Yeah, something well, it, we, oh, well, wow. Actually, he okay. was only there one year and we like started off his yeah. second year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like this scene where I, was, I wasn't going to. I wasn't about to raise my hands, but uh, then the th- the question came up between us: which church we're going to go to? We're going to go to Solid Rock, where she was crying, or we're going to go to the door? And I said, "I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to go to the door." Well, uh, she was like, "Well, I think I want to go to Solid Rock." I said, I "We need to go to the door," because I was I was definitely intrigued. Am I wrong? Well, we we just started going to the door, basically, kind of, yeah. Well, well, yeah, yeah. but but I was definitely like. I, I wanted I just, to hear what this preacher had to say, you know, and, and, but I wasn't ready to get saved. I still really didn't know what getting saved was, but I didn't really didn't understand it, you know, and I've, I've took a few times of me going and just kind of come to a place where, you know, if this is real, what this man is saying is real, then I really got nothing to lose. You know, if Jesus is real. He'll forgive my sin. He'll change my life. If not, then I'll just keep on doing what I've been doing and uh, kind of the rest of history. <laughs> Wow. Well, I, I think we can we can we can take a, a moment to just remember how important the preaching of the gospel is, even in the smallest of settings, uh, and maybe especially in those settings. Oftentimes, you know, we, we might f- feel tempted to water things down or to, you know, to candy coat things a little bit. Just, you know, you're not sure who you're dealing with, with some uh, crazy sinners who come in and visit. And uh, but th- thank God that he preached the gospel. Yeah, he, he preached did. And mm-hmm. He did. With, uh, got with me thinking. Straight no chaser, you know. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking. It got me. Uh, and so I got converted. So we're converts, you know. We were converted, and it was like from darkness to light. You know, uh, the moment uh, I got saved. How, how did How did you know? What What was the What was the time that you like? Okay, I know that I'm. Got, I got to do this. Oh yeah, you know, uh, right after I left that church service. Uh, I, w- I wanted a Bible. Uh, I never wanted a Bible before. Uh, wow. A Bible. I got my hands on a Bible and I would read it all through it. I didn't know what I was reading. I didn't know how to read it, uh, but I just kept going through it, reading different passages. Yeah. And I was staying up late in the night doing it. Uh, I was even uh, making friends with some of the younger guys in the church, inviting them over to my house, asking them to show me things in the Bible. Uh, I had this hunger. I had this passion that, uh, man, I want to know this word, this this word is is, is 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 amazing. This word is supernatural. Like I had this understanding that something beyond me was taking place, and and I'm gonna find it's in this word that's gonna give me direction for my life, you know. And it's this pastor in this church that are gonna play ma- a major part in this. So at, at my very early stages of conversion, I knew my life had changed. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew I had a purpose. Uh, I wanted to be a Christian. I understood uh, to a certain degree what being a Christian meant. It meant leaving a sin. It meant leaving the, the alcohol. It meant leaving the, the anger. It meant leaving the perversion. It meant leaving uh, all type of things, you know, just a change of life. You know, I, I didn't think it was going to be easy, but I knew that it was, it was required. 
So I began to embrace it. And uh, then I ended up getting filled with the Holy Spirit a few months later. And, and I knew something really, really had came over me because now I wouldn't shut up about Jesus. You know, I want to tell people at my job all the time. I wasn't very good. I wasn't very articulate. I wasn't very, uh, what's the word, uh, tactful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I knew that, uh, that Jesus was real and, and I had to tell people about him. And that was probably within the first six months of my salvation. Wow. And, and what about you, Melissa? You being a reader, did you have the same kind of hunger for the Word of God at that point? Uh, it's interesting because I was the one that was like, okay, let's go to church for this. And I'm the one that had the like initial thing. And it took me a year. <laughs> it took me a while. A year. Not a year to read the Bible, but it took me a year to like really get converted. Like I would say because of, uh, I guess, all the pool and the ba my background, and I was the one that uh, when Pastor Gordon would be preaching or we would be doing Sunday schools, I always had a question. I always, you know, uh, but you said this last week or, you know, trying to think maybe too deeply into what was being said. and trying to challenge him. I was always challenged. <laughs> always challenged, unfortunately. But I always tell people if I hadn't got saved in a church that had Sunday schools and Bible studies, I wouldn't have made it. Because I, I just wouldn't have made it. And if I, and you know, God put us together because if he, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have made it either because I was um, a quitter. You know what I mean? I just did not have like character. I did not have good character. And uh, I tell people, it's kind of like, I imagine a, a, a number line, zero, one, two, three, and then negatives. I was probably in the way negatives, you know, way, and I'm barely coming to zero. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> you know, just as in, uh, you don't have to have good character to be saved. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I didn't have like it in me, you know, to, it, it, I, I, fortitude. fortitude. Yeah. I just wanted to, to give up. I wanted to quit. It was hard. You know, uh, I wanted to quit our marriage. So I remember, you know, I thank God for my pastor and his wife because they counseled us, they talked to us, you know, and I remember being at my job because by that time I was already selling cars and, um, and he was being, he was doing landscaping because I was a pushy a pushy lady, aggressive. And <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll go sell cars. You go get a steady job. And, you know, before we got saved, obviously, you know, so he was doing a, a like, a, he never was a menial like, labor like kind of person. Job. Yeah. So he got that kind of job and I was selling cars and we were making good money between the both of us. But so when I was out, you know, at my job, I just, I, I, I would talk to the guys at work, go to lunch with them and be telling them like, oh, they took communion, but I didn't take it. I'm not worthy. And they're like, oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I totally did not understand. Like I had not a real understanding of, you know, of, of the, a relationship with Jesus. Cause it's not just, you know, saying this prayer, but like you have to get to know him, you know? And so when I finally did, I remember, uh, where I got to the point where like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get deeper. I, I would read it, but like, and I would study it, but not like the way he did. He would have guys at our house at night, you know, like we started getting new people and he would just have them there reading the Bible. They would like fellowshipping late, reading the Bible. But me, it was more like, okay, um, 
not so much. And then I finally, I remember one day too, I had told him, we're, we're not going to go to church. We're not going to go to church. I'm not going, and you're not going to take the kids and we're staying home. He said, no, I'm going to church and I'm taking the kids. And that's when I knew he, something really happened because he left, he took the kids and he always would listen to me. <laughs> and he didn't listen to me anymore. Oh, so he was pushing back on you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. He pushed back on me and he kept going, you know, so it was like, oh man. And I remember feeling a conviction that uh, all of a sudden my pastor's wife came, you know, and she's like, oh, I was in the neighborhood. I'm like, we lived completely on the other side of town from the church. <laughs> like we lived, really we lived by Miller and the and the church was, it was like a 20 minute, 25 20, minute drive. 25 minute drive to the church. And uh so she came to visit me. Why didn't you come to church? And you know, just uh, encouraging me. And it was just all of the stuff I had to get over. But uh, a, a defining moment in my conversion was a parade we had. Um because we have a parade here in May. Uh, it's called the Bug Days Parade. And I remember I was a salesperson and I had a lot of pride. And I, I, I didn't even want to invite people to my church sometimes. So I was like, it's so little. And there's, you know, it's so, you know, but, but um, so anyways, we had that Bug Days Parade and, and um, it was a nighttime parade. I had just got out of work. I was wearing sandals and I'm like, I'm not going to go. And they're like, no, come with us, you know, help us. So I was there just helping them get ready. And they're like, stay with us at, uh, you know, outreach with us. And, you know, I was like, no, no, no. So I just helped them. But the next thing you know, by the time the parade started, I, I stayed and I went. So it's a three mile walk. So by the time the parade started to the parade ended, I was a different person. Just completely. I was, what? yeah, I was witnessing. I was telling people about, you know, just that the Holy Ghost gets inside of you. Just like I already had got prayed for and filled with the Holy Spirit, but I still hadn't got that boldness. But by the time it ended, I was just completely different. Just telling everybody. I remember seeing a guy from my job. I was like, who's <laughs> Kadena? God wants to save you. And so it, all that shame, wow. everything was gone. Because up to that point, we even had a, a play at our church and we were in it. And Pastor Gordon said, everybody's going to testify. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, everybody's going to testify. And I didn't testify, <laughs> you know, but by the, but when that parade came through, that's right, you did it, right? I did it. Yeah. <laughs> but when that parade came through, <laughs> it was like, it was totally different and from that day on. It's just completely, completely different. Um, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that moment changed me. Jesus changed me, but it was like a defining moment where I, I let go and I was able to, you know, so from there, I remember reading my Bible, you know, I, I tried to read it, you know, like, I think it took me like a year and a half the first time. So I started reading my Bible, Old Testament, uh, over and over, you know, just to like, get it in me to understand, you know, get to know the, the word of God and get to know Jesus, you know, but yeah. So this is why uh, I am a proponent of uh, pushing people into doing things before they think that they're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, and and I, I don't mean like manipulating people, right. but I, I, w I want to encourage people to do things that they think that they can't do. And because the the opposite of that, which is waiting until they think that they're ready, that's never going to happen. Right. And that's like, that's, that's like Moses. Like, yeah, I want you to be a deliverer, Moses. Well, I can't do that. And God had to, you know, give him a little shove. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of pastors, we, it, it's, it's, um, it's, Maybe we're we're a little bit too careful sometimes about putting people into position, either because, you know, it feels like it's too early or it's not the right time or this person can't handle it. And, yeah, the, the, there might be some truth to that, but you don't know what the positive possibility could be if you put them in that position. Like, who knew that you just walking in a parade would be the thing that lights the fire? Yeah. Like, that's amazing.
that's really encouraging. Yeah, very much is, yes. So, you know, I've got some people right now that, that uh, that's going to encourage. So thank you for that story. That's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys become new converts and in, uh, in, in a small church. So that, that means you're pretty uh, large part of what's happening there. Would, would you say that that I agree. is true? Yes. Very much so. Yeah. I agree, yes. So, and, and that's also great because you have such great access to a pioneer pastor like it's more than just he's your pastor. He's your buddy. You guys are doing things all the time together. Yes. So um, um, do you have fond memories of that time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Pastor Gordon and, and Liz are much, uh, very much involved in our lives. Um, um, we'd have them over um, here in the Gulf Coast. You know, there's a lot of fishing that goes on. Uh, that's something that I do as a kind of a hobby. And I would catch lots of fish. And he loved eating fish. So it was like every week or every other week thing. I'd catch a limit of trout to come and eat, and, and we were just lots of fellowship, uh, and it was just a great experience, you know, just just learning from him and hearing his ministry, and and uh, you know, just you know, just absorbing, you know, my 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 conviction became to where you know I wanted to be um, the guy in the church or the family in the church that helps helps my pastor, you know, someone that helps build the congregation, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have one of these things where and there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, I, as a pastor, I want guys to have this, but I, I didn't have this, that I just want to go preach the gospel. You know, that definitely wasn't my thought. My thought was, that, you know, we want to help. We want to be a blessing. You know, what can we do to help? You know, where where's the need to serve? Where's the need to do this? You know, uh, you know the thought, the idea of I want to go preach the gospel around the world was not something we, that it was preached about, but I never saw myself <laughs> being the one doing that. You know, it was always, no, 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 I want to, I knew it was for somebody. I just didn't realize when it would be for me. But. <laughs> we were like the ones that were like not us, you know, we... Uh, our first conference, we went to a Tucson conference. So it was two years after we were saved. Well, we went to uh, our San Antonio conference like the last day, but we didn't get to go the whole week. And we went to the Tucson conference without our pastor because he wasn't going to be able to go. And, and we had heard about it. So we went and like the whole week we argued because Pastor Mitchell was preaching. And we're <laughs> like, I'm like, are you going to be a pastor? Because I'm never going to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any He's like, I don't know, no, no. I don't and, care about that. and some guy even came up to us. <laughs> Remember, uh, there was a guy from the Santa Monica church. I don't know who he is to this day. We don't know who he is now, but uh, he came and he was talking to us and he was in France or something. And he was telling us, uh, you know, one day, you know, like just trying to speak vision into us. And we were like, what is he talking about? <laughs> you know, like, we're not even thinking of this. We're not pastoring. We're just. Maybe it was an angel. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that conference, that conference, our pastor told us if uh, anybody gets sent out, because it wasn't, there wasn't, you know, computers and all this like there is now. We're not computers, but nothing was like digital like this at all. Right. And pastor, the news doesn't travel so fast. Yeah. Pastor was like, if anything happens, you don't tell anyone. So my pastor didn't even know that Friday he got announced. So we were only saved two years and he left and we were there. The and He wasn't there, but we were there when he got announced to leave. So he wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> so I. So he, he got announced to leave to and he wasn't even there he wasn't there only you were there we were there he went to he was oh my god he went to assist pastor richard ruby and we got a new pastor and so we i remember like because 
I was, before I got saved, I was a heart in my heart and try not to make relationships, not try not to, you know, just who, who I was. But I remember I love Pastor Gordon Liz. And so the whole drive, it was like yeah. a 20 hour drive. I cried all the way. Heartbreaking. And then I remember, uh, but as it was like, we got, we hadn't even got to the city, but our church was going to be outreaching an uh, invasion team. So we met up with them on the way back and I just had to like suck it up and be happy and go outreach and it, it helped me. <laughs> well, yeah. So what we're learning is uh, everything gets better when Melissa goes on outreach. If there's ever a problem, just send her out with some flyers. Send herself, you know? Okay. Wow. So, okay. So we, we've got more territory to cover, but uh, we, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to say goodbye to our free listeners and uh, we're going to save the rest for our subscriber block. Thank you, Dan and Melissa. We appreciate you uh, joining us. There's uh, there's a, a lot more story to tell. So if you want to hear it, make sure to become a subscriber. You can hit the, one of the links in the show notes below and uh, everything that, that comes in, we uh, we put to our world evangelism.